Hey there, this is a special episode of the Red Letter Podcast. Um, we're going to be taking a little different approach today. Jordan has interviewed his dad on the topic of addiction. And so in the last episode, we kind of talked about the inspiration of our song a hundred times. And that came through um, the process of fighting through addiction and talking about that. And so we wanted to dive into that a little deeper. And so Jordan is interviewing his dad. Um, his dad is a pastoral counselor and has been so for the past 30 something years. Um, so without further ado, I hope you enjoy this special episode. Thanks guys. Hey, my name is Jordan West and this is the Red Letter Society podcast. We're really excited today because we have a very special guest. It's actually my dad. Yep, and yep. his name is Ronnie West. So, say hello everyone to everyone. Hello everyone. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so, we're actually going to be talking today about a, a heavier topic than we normally do on the podcast. Normally on the podcast, uh, we do talk uh, theology, we talk uh, anything from songwriting to uh, deep thoughts about God. Uh, this this topic ended up being a little bit heavier, um, and so we wanted to bring my dad on, not because he's just my dad, which is always an honor to be able to do that, but also because, uh, Dad, how long have you been doing pastoral ministry? Uh, what, 34, 35 years? Yeah, it's it's a long time, and so really what we're looking I at— I started when I was 10. <laughs> yeah, I don't think quite that. Um, but uh, we are looking at, um, you know, so 30 plus years of ministry, but also within that you do a lot of pastoral counseling, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, um, when I was in seminary, uh, began doing some studying for professional counseling, uh, changed my major and did more of a theology degree. But uh, during that time, I'll, I began that whole pastoral counseling type thing. And I also actually direct and oversee a professional counseling center where we have licensed counselors that work uh, in the center. And so um, that's a ministry arm of our church. And so that comes underneath my umbrella. Awesome. So with that experience, we definitely want to, just because of the topic today, we want to talk about addiction. We'll, we'll do that in a little bit. But um, before we talk about addiction... Uh, I would love to know a few interesting facts about you, um, and I, I'm almost well, already regretting asking that. Because... Well, I'll say the one, <laughs> I am a fanatical Alabama fan, and That's we did win the national it. championship last night, so I had to say roll tide, okay? It fair is enough, appropriate today enough, because enough. we really put a whipping on, on Ohio State last yes, night, so that uh, was good. That was a good our night. Our team member, Todd Holloway's probably yelling roll tide as he's listening that's to right so he's yeah, a huge that's good fan stuff. as well and it is biblical you know oh gosh and ezekiel says <laughs> yeah you know what i'll say you go ahead, ezekiel man. it says hey to where's that hot place you go to the state is called bama so I hey i don't think that's taking scripture from, out of context no, at not all. at all not at all <laughs> but, uh, um, but it's fun awesome uh and also we always drink coffee on the show but today um, you have some special coffee, and the reason I say it's special is because you actually were adamantly against drinking coffee until I feel Most like of my a, life for it's still about a, a year ago, right? Maybe a year. That's right. Okay, and so, and I, I remember one night I came over. I don't know what I came over for, but we basically once once a week, me and my wife come over to y'all's house and we watch some kind of show. It's probably something Marvel or Star Wars. And we came over and you asked if we wanted coffee. And I remember just being like shocked. So And you what, were more shocked when I gave it to you and you said, Wow, this, this is, is really good coffee. Good coffee. That's good right. Coffee. So what right. what got so, you into coffee and well, what friend, coffee are we drinking today? Our our friend Jerry Witt kind of got me into it. So we we have been friends with the Wits for many, many years. And on Monday nights we've always gotten together for dinner mm -hmm. and some fun. And so uh, he began making some coffee because he, he is definitely a coffee uh, nerd or a coffee snob, uh, snob coffee would be a better snob. word. And uh, then I told him I didn't like coffee. He says, yeah, that's just because you haven't drank the right coffee. Mm. And he was actually right uh, because the coffee that they have out in the hallway outside my office is just nasty and terrible. It's not And good. I would not drink it. It's very bitter. So I don't like that but then as you begin to understand there's a difference between light roast medium roast dark roast and mm. that you know the different different levels of roasting and the freshness of it and 
all those different things. For me, the freshness makes a, makes a whole difference. So the freshness yeah. of coffee is is a huge difference. So we're me. we're drinking some coffee from uh, Brazil tonight. I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact name of it, but it's from from Brazil, and it's a uh, it's a coffee that's uh, got a pretty strong chocolatey chocolately milk chocolate flavor i guess you could say mm. but also maybe a little bit else not quite as fruity and i have found that i probably prefer a little bit more on the chocolate flavor side uh, mm. side of coffee as opposed to the more acidic fruity and some people like those other but i kind of like, like a little like bit more the, soothing a little bit more you know, nutty, I like like nutty. nutty yeah i like nutty well, this was kind of but this is, a, this is a this is a, a nutty chocolate type yeah, one it's, it's very good. good it's actually very good it's the second time i got that so i started uh it's a trade coffee i think and i got a subscription to that they roast it on mondays and put it in the mail i get it every three weeks and so it's not the coffee that your mother makes in the mornings or other things. <laughs> this is just our, this is our evening drink. And we uh, usually use a French press. Sometimes I do a pour over. So you see, I'm really kind of getting the nerdy thing. Gosh, but, um, so um, what I'm really learning is that you really can teach an old dog new tricks, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's okay. I'm an old dog. Well, so, the coffee so is coffee, great. So I'm kind of getting into coffee. You asked the other couple of things about myself. Yeah, I, I did say I was going to tell everybody that uh, uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm uh, a fat disc golf player. And I know you hate to say that. So I just want everybody to have the visual of uh, a big guy out there on the disc golf thing, really torquing it up and throwing that disc. It's, it's, it's quite a sight and to even not, make it and even make not. it worse. I'm also a road cyclist. So a little bit more body than needs to be in one of those little tight leotards there. That's it. I, but I have scarred for life and I've put in, um, tens of thousands of miles on you the have. road. You have. Mm-hmm. You've actually. You're yeah, actually quite a couple cyclist. Yeah, I've done many oh. century rides and things like that. It's it's uh it's 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 a good hobby. It's uh, I've developed some great friendships doing it. Yeah. So yeah. it's been good. Again, I I think what's always funny is is I think people joke with you about uh, sometimes your weight, but you and your athleticism is probably far superior to mine because. I like you've run how it many, is. how it not really is. is. How, how many, how many marathons have you ran? I ran two. You ran two marathons. Later in life. My first one was yeah. a 39. The other one wow. was what? 42, 43. So there's still hope for me. Uh, no, <laughs> no. no. And then, um, with cycling in one year, how many miles did you do? Oh, well, you know, this last year because of back surgery, I haven't done any, but, uh, typically you're somewhere between 2,500 and 3000 miles. I think I do that on my car. More. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so that's, that's great. So we ride all year long. I've, uh, I've, I've rode in the rain and started when it was 10 degrees outside and just done crazy things, but also rode in hundred plus. So it's, it's, but it's fun. You just do yeah. a lot of different things. See, I don't enjoy any of that. So <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, as the part of the reason that again we wanted to bring you onto the show is we're talking about addiction, and the reason that we're talking about addiction is um, about two years ago. It was in May of 2019. Um, Tyler Landis and I sat down to write a song, um, and we we meet every other week. Uh, it's it's really just been healthy for us in our spiritual walk because one, it's a, our time for accountability with one another and I walk with the Lord, but also um, it's a time that we get to write and we put down uh, new songs. And, and uh, this one time was just, uh, it was such a special time to sit down. We were kind of both reaching, um, it was in May, so it was our birthdays are coming up. Mine's on the 24th and his is, I think it's the 30th. I might be wrong. It might be the 31st, but I'm pretty sure it's the 30th. Um, so, you know, we're both coming up on a new year and, and we kind of bring up these random dates, whether that be new years or birthdays, that'd be like, and life's going to change. And so, you know, we're kind of talking, uh, through all of that. And he brought out, um, his notebook and it was a rare occasion where he actually wrote something down. Cause both of us, I mean, almost all digital, we're just grab our phones, write down a note of anything. So what you're saying is I need to teach a young dog new tricks. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So anyways, we, um, we did this and he wrote, um, he had written this line. It said a hundred times I fall a hundred times you're there. Mm. uh, And your and your grace has covered the hundredth time that I've said this prayer. I, I remember the first time I heard that song. And 
um, immediately, he was like, I wonder if we can take these lyrics. And he also had like a part of most of the verse done, I think as well. And, but he was just like, I wonder if we could take this like journal entry and make it a song. And I was like, Tyler, I think that that is the song. I think it uh, really strikes a chord too, Jordan, because, um, you know, what makes a good song is when uh, people can easily identify with it. Yeah. And uh, when they can identify with it, it becomes more meaningful. And sure. um, I don't know a single person. Hmm. And I do know a lot of people. You do. Uh, I, I don't know a single person who cannot sing that song with with um, honesty and with uh, thoughtfulness because they know that there's something in their life where they, they, they fall. Yeah. And they've done it over and over, and they've come to the Lord, and they've asked for forgiveness over and over and over and over again. And, and they get so frustrated and, and even feel defeated at mm-hmm. times as a result of it. And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, when Paul— uh, Actually, uh, no, we don't know who it was. Uh, I'll say Paul, but you know, it's <laughs> Hebrews, and uh, <laughs> and so I'm on the that, Paul that, train that, as well. So that, that okay. can give us a lot of different uh, thoughts. I've not always been on the Paul train there, but uh, that's another. That's a whole other conversation, right? <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, uh, when when he talks about uh, being surrounded by such a cloud of witness, let's lay aside that that thing. A sin that so easily ensnares us, and I Man. think it's a really important passage because the the snare, it's the trap, it's the it's the thing that grabs hold of us, and um, uh, you know it's it, it doesn't mean that we're oblivious to it. I think we know it's there, mm-hmm. but somehow we keep falling into this trap. We keep falling into the snare, and it's got its teeth sunk into us, mm-hmm. and uh, we can't seem to get loose. And so um, many times that's. Um, our behavior and in, in, in sin that becomes habitual. Yeah. But other times it's certainly in our topic tonight when you, when you're talking about addiction and or addictive behaviors. Yeah. And we actually, I, I remember us writing this and I started writing the bridge um, to it. Um, and I, I remember again in Hebrews. Um, so I love that you brought up Hebrews um, because I was thinking about in Hebrews four fourteen where it talks that we can, go boldly before a throne of grace mm-hmm. and to receive grace and mercy in the time of need. And that's kind of where the bridge started. And um, the the line for the bridge is, your grace has brought me to your throne. And we ended up landing on saying, where addictions fail to keep their hold. Um, and I remember like him and I like going back and forth and talking, like, it, do we actually want to say addictions? You know, what do uh, we always think about... Um, this being in the voice of of a church. So if a church is going to sing this, you know, is that something that we want everyone to sing? And and sometimes we're just overthinking it, of course. Um, But we really landed and said uh, kind of what you're saying. So many people can relate to that feeling of I've had this failure that just stays with me for so long. Um, So I guess what our church is full. Yeah. Of people who exhibit uh, addictive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a question whether they're actually addicted or not. Right. But, uh, but they're, they're, it's full of people that exhibit uh, addictive behaviors of different, of different kinds. Some of that mm-hmm. may be uh, things that are more physical, like drug use or mm-hmm. alcohol abuse or those kind of things. Some of them may be uh, uh, other things like, um, we could say porn or something like mm-hmm. those. So that's a little bit different because it's a little bit more psychological in what right. you're doing. Uh, but then, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole list of mm-hmm. different types of things that uh, are addictive and can be, a, you know, addictive behaviors that so we can do. So how, how and, can and, someone... And they can control us. That's the yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So how can... Um, I guess the, the, a good question to kind of start us off is um, how can you tell, like, okay, we have these maybe things that... W- carry a long time but how can we tell if we're addicted to something or not um because i think sometimes uh i've heard maybe younger people say like i'm so addicted to or people say that someone's addicted to to gaming 
uh, or video games or something like that. Well, and they the, can be. They, they can, can be, be for sure. Um, but how when do you look at how the, all the dopamine that it creates oh, yeah, in the brain no. and all those different things? And so it certainly can, again, create different things, gambling or gaming or those for other sure. things can certainly create uh, a certain physiological physiological uh issues right that that certainly can be addictive so but if I, you were I counseling I, when would you say that is addiction rather than just oh that they just need to we need to put boundaries on that um well even with addiction sometimes there's part of the part of the uh way of overcoming it certainly deals with boundaries or guardrails sure. and we'll talk about that in in, in a few minutes but uh i think addiction uh, you have to really define it and understand uh, that uh, if you're talking about addiction, it, it can't be something that's just an excuse. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so in other words, I, I want to place the blame for my behavior on addiction. So therefore I don't, I'm, I'm therefore not actually responsible. Oh, and wow. so well, clearly um, we are responsible, even if it is true addiction. I think that's the thing. So first thing you have to understand is the responsibility still lies with you, right? Uh, you're you are responsible for your behavior, hmm. regardless of uh, whether it's a, a true addiction or if it's just a, a lack of self discipline or whatever that may be. Okay, uh, or or even a love or a fascination uh, <clears throat> for something. Now that being said, I think if you, the simplest way, and uh, you know. I think the simplest way to kind of really say that is if you if you don't have the psychological or the physical ability to stop doing something. Mm. Okay, yeah, I mean, in other words, it's uh, there's something that's going on that you actually psychologically, you actually physically cannot stop. Mm. And so, you know, we see that with certain uh, an example of that with drugs would certainly be one yeah. of those things where that, that's uh, if an you obvious stop, one. if you stop, then your body starts going through uh, withdrawals. Or those and and those withdrawals can actually yeah. be very detrimental to your they health. Can, well, they can be deadly at times, yeah. if depending on what it is or uh, the difficulty uh, that that you're going through. Those that sure. kind of thing. Uh, psychologically, though, there's uh, there's other reasons for that. But if you don't have the psychological reason uh, ability to stop, mm -hmm. if you don't have the uh, physical ability to stop doing something, then that's that's true addiction. Mm. Okay. Um, certainly addiction can also come uh, in degrees, if you will. Uh, you yeah. can have mild addiction or you can have something that's very strong uh, addiction. And so that that somewhat determines uh, what kind of uh, what kind of help or uh, pathway that you choose yeah. to to uh, to overcome that. But I, I will say that I, I do believe that in Christ we can overcome anything. Mm -hmm. So um, the, 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 the ability of the Holy Spirit in our life as, as, a, as a Christ follower uh, trumps mm. other things. Sure. But that does not mean we can disregard um, uh, things that, you know, either medications and or treatment plans that have been proven to be helpful. Okay. And that's where another place where Christians, I think, sometimes really miss it is they all want to say, well, just come to the altar and lay it on, lay it on the altar for Jesus, which is a, a noble act, if right. you will, or a humble act, if you will. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily solve the issue. And yeah. we have to remember that. I think there, um, God is a God of order. God is a God of science. He's mm -hmm. given us that. And those things that those treatment plans and those medications or those other things that come about, uh, even if they came from a secular origin, still are a gift from God. One of the things does that, I, does that make sense? Yeah. It's still I, a gift from God. One of the things that we kind of believe, um, is God is truth. So that means all truth is mm -hmm. God's truth. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where it came from. Ultimately, if it's true, it's from God. And so in John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth mm -hmm. and the truth will what? Set you free. Set you free. The question is, set you free from what? Mm -hmm. You know, because certainly that verse is taken out of context often. True. <laughs> but if but not I think, like uh, your Alabama verse in Ezekiel. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, but set you free. And I think it's really, uh, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free from anything that's hindering you from completely following Christ. If you really want to put that in there. Now, okay. you, know, you have to go read the context, but in, in, 
when you look at the whole thing, I mean, that's what we're talking about is freedom in Christ mm-hmm. and, and the, the new life we have in Christ. You know, right. uh, he, you know, anyone who's found in Christ, he is a what? New creation. A new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things. Not some, but all things have become new. And that's that's holistically new. That's not refurbished. You know, that's yeah. not you're not buying a refurbished Apple computer. No, yeah. it's 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 brand new. It's it's something and, totally and no different. matter no matter how bad the mistakes, no bad no matter how tarnished um you are, no matter how how many dents and uh pro, you know, issues that you've had through Christ, man, he makes yeah. it all new. Yeah. And so we can have victory. But at the same time, we must always still remember that um, we were created for community. And in that community, we can find help in overcoming these things. And it may be through treatment programs, maybe through um, some medical help or whatever, depending on the type of addiction that might be there. Right. So I I would I guess that comes to. So there are types of addictions, and I defining addiction as something that either psychologically or physiologically you actually can't withdraw from can't overcome or, or, yeah, or can't overcome. stop you can't stop okay so that's what we're defining addiction as um and i think one of the big dangers that we end up with is a lot of times we uh, maybe go through a good step which is come to the altar um and and confess those sins to the lord um and we then think well why haven't i changed you know because we, we've confessed them to the lord right um, and we can begin to blame God, I think, a lot of times. And I'm always reminded of this verse um, where it says, confess your sins to one another mm, and exactly. you find healing. And so there's obviously something more than uh, God's plan for restoration and God's plan. I guess the big theological term for this is sanctification, us becoming more like him. Yeah, it's, is a process, not just, it's a process, right? It's a process. And it's not just to, hey, I'm going to go lay this down on the altar. Now he has more things for us. And so as a counselor, what would you advise somebody? Okay, first, obviously, uh, we would say if if you're not trying, if you're trying to do this without the work and help of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the first thing. But um, for a Christian, if we, if we laid that down at the altar of the Lord, what is the next step that we should then begin to do after that. Okay, so um, part of laying it down before the Lord is is part of that first step in the sense that um, you have to admit you have a you have to admit you have a problem. Yeah. Um, admitting you have a problem is argue arguably the most difficult step. For sure. Because um, it takes a lot of self reflection. Um, you have to uh, look at when you're saying you have a problem, now you're acknowledging that you likely, as a result of this problem, have left a trail of destruction that's that's hurt other people. Wow. And 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 so now I am no longer living in denial of this. I am admitting that I have a problem, and in this problem, I've not only damaged myself, but my sin or my addiction or my my problem or whatever terms we want to use. And and I know some people have a, have trouble uh, calling addiction sin, but I, I would argue that anything that is yielding control over our bodies and our minds from the Holy Spirit is sin. Now, I'm not being judgmental. Don't get me wrong, because I also, I mean, if you, if you, I'm not making light of sin either, but you know, there, there are many things in our lives that are sin and that just distracts us from fully experiencing the power of God in our life. Okay. And you started also by saying like, even if you have an addictive addiction problem, you're still responsible for your actions. Yes. Um, and that reminds me of another verse. We actually today, um, I don't know when people are listening to it, but today we actually shared a verse on our social media. It's Proverbs twenty eight thirteen. It says, whoever conceals their sin, whoever mm-hmm. hides it does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Again, so you're admitting you have a problem. Right, and so and that's so a who do you have to admit your problem too. to? Well, I think you have to first admit it to yourself, uh, and you certainly have to admit it to the Lord, but then I think you have to admit it to um, those that are close to you, those people that your problem has directly affected, uh, and maybe even to others who are not necessarily close to you, but they can be a part of the community from which you can 
um, have some help in the healing process okay. or the overcoming process. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so that's the first thing. I, uh, I think a second step, Jordan, would be um, then with proper um, counsel, meaning, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of things in Proverbs that talk about, hey, seek wise counsel. Right. right. And so find someone that can uh, direct you, help you, help you or whatever to explore uh, what those treatment options may be. And there, and, is, and a, there, is, a wide, there is a wide array of treatment options out there that range from uh, from helping with something that's very mild or something that is very severe. And because, again, a lot of times when we think addiction, we immediately, our minds go to drugs or to, to porn or gambling or stuff like that. But you, you, you have eating disorders that are certainly addictive behaviors. You have... Um, I mean, the list, you can go down the list. There's, there's a, a long list of things that, yeah. that, that create those things. So, uh, you know, but, but one of the things that a lot of younger people find themselves addicted to is actually their phones. Oh, absolutely. Um, I didn't yeah. know this until recently, but there's actually rehab centers for screens. Yeah. And you can tell that when they can't, when they, uh, it's, sad. it's scary when you see that people can't hardly function if they don't have their phone with them. Yeah. I mean, they, they can't actually hardly function. Right. Um, the, the average you know, screen time, I think, for most um, most teenagers, is anywhere mm. between eight to ten hours a day, which basically mm. is a full time job looking at their phone. Yeah, so it's not every a day. That's, job. And that's typically after their school too, right? And and, and my guess, Jordan, mm. here's the scary part. My guess is that um, the the large majority of that is not leading them towards the cross right or leading them towards uh holiness or they mm -hmm. even even things that are you know it may be something that's very okay yeah. okay Neutral you're a sports fan you're a sports fan and you're looking at sports stuff or whatever and i'm not trying to say we can't have fun and look at that mm -hmm. kind of stuff but boy when we when we are not putting together um some discipline in our life and we're looking for immediate gratification on everything. We're not putting some discipline in our life to to develop our walk with God. Then, mm. wow! You, then, then then we're in trouble. Yeah. We're really and in how trouble. How many young people do you hear? I mean, all young ages. People, say, I see old people that are addicted to their phones, and, and, but oh also goodness. people that say, "Oh, I don't have time to read my Bible." Oh yeah. And and you know, if you were to check their screen time or how many episodes of well, now now it's off the off. Netflix, well, but how many episodes of The Office did you watch today? You know, it's, uh, it is a it's fact. Very, it very is sad. a fact that every single person has time. Yes, they just don't make it a priority. Yeah. And I'm not saying we're not busy, but many times we're busy by our own choice. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to throw stones at somebody that missed their quiet time today. Oh, that's yeah, not yeah. that's not what I'm doing. And neither is God. God's not the God up there in the sky Making with a sure billy club. <laughs> and if you don't have your if you don't have your quiet time today, I'm gonna to hit you with this billy club and I can't use you. Because I was taught that growing up, you know, as a young Christian, I was taught if I didn't have my quiet time, then I was gonna be of no use to God that day, which mm. is which is kind of sad. Well, sad and stupid because mm. number one, it's not biblical. Um because why? Because the Spirit of God lives in me. Yeah. And to think that the spirit of God, which lives in me, cannot have effect, effect I didn't in check somebody else's life because yeah. I didn't spend 10 minutes this morning yeah. in, in a devotional thought is, is silly. It doesn't mean that I should not have that discipline in my life. Absolutely. You know what? Because what happens is I find um, uh, I find that when I am putting an effort into those kind of disciplines mm -hmm. that I am much more successful in shunning away from the things mm. that are more of a temptation in my life that I Absolutely. shouldn't do, whether it be... I, I find the same. Uh, yeah, I mean... And isn't it funny How that shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed to the word thereof? I mean, Absolutely. Psalm 119, it's right there. And so, you know... Um, uh, you know, down, downstairs on our hall, I'm on our wall, we say, oh, oh Psalm 119... I think it's verse eight, but it's one nineteen. It's a lot of verses there. Yes, 
but it says, you know, oh Lord, open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things in your in your law and your word. And there's so many wonderful things there that can have an impact on our life, and they certainly can bring healing and and discipline into our life. Do that, but you know, explore those options. Okay, we're yep. going back to number two. I don't it, want it, to get too sidetracked. So no, but you have a problem and explore those options because those options uh, may vary from something as much as developing accountability partners uh, to uh, to uh, getting involved in a 12, a 12 step program. I mean, you know, a lot, you know, the most famous 12 step program is what? AA. AA, right. Which by the way is uh, if you look at it, it has biblical principles for sure. And it um, certainly is very successful in helping people uh, bind together in a community to, to help one another stay strong and stay sober. And, and and not not fall to that addiction and they give people the ability and, and and the tools if you will to do that but there are other uh 12-step programs that are out there our church has one celebrate recovery which is uh nationally recognized not our church but the the program celebrate yeah. recovery is nationally recognized and uh they deal with uh, a very large range of of behaviors uh whether it be codependency uh sex addiction um Oh, drug addiction, many other things. You know, yep. there's there's quite a r- wide range of things that they develop support. So, and and recovery program, would probably, what, you, what you get is support. You right. get support from other people who understand and who are walking, who've worn those shoes. You know, sometimes mm. it's real easy for somebody else to tell you something they've never worn those shoes. Mm. They don't know what you're feeling physically or psychologically mm. because they've not done dealt with it, and they can actually become very judgmental. But these are people that have, have worn those shoes, and they know how to not only come alongside you uh, and support you and encourage you, but they also can, man, they can ask you the hard questions, and they can kind of... Uh, and they know what questions to ask. Yes. Well, not only what questions to ask, but they also know what to look for. Because mm. <laughs> you can, if you've been there, then you can definitely spot the lie very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and addictive personalities, a lot of times we're very tempted to hide things that are true. Uh, you know, and so if we're. Well, the old cliche is all addicts lie. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's, there's some truth there. And again, a lot there's, there's, there's a lot of truth, uh, but I think you could almost say all people lie. But true. anyway, uh, <laughs> but, I would but agree with that as well. But, but I, I, I think what they're saying is addiction. In order to cover up the addiction, mm-hmm. you, you have to lie. You have to do those things and, so, and make that happen. Uh, so re- recap those steps so far. All right. First is admit you have a problem. You have to admit it to the to the right people. Uh, those people close to you, that's the Lord first, right? right. And then uh, the people close to you, um, and then maybe to uh, the people you've hurt, maybe to the community uh, in which that you are going to become a part of to help you overcome, mm-hmm. such as a community like a 12-step program, a source mm-hmm. like that. Uh, there's other treatment op- you know. But so your second one is explore those treatment options. Is it an accountability partner? Are there... Um, uh, are there things you can do physically to actually change that behavior so you can overcome it? Because, you know, mild form, stuff like that. If, uh, you know, is, is there, are, are there, are there ways that you can put those disciplines into your life to overcome it? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's, uh, you're addicted to being on the phone, is there something you can do that changes the habits to make you do that? So you have to develop other habits in your life. And, uh, so explore treatment options. Um, uh, they, they can be counseling, you know, there's there's all kinds of counseling that you can do, um, whether it be pastoral counseling or going to a licensed licensed counseling center, uh, doing that stuff. And there's also if it's a you know se- severe uh, problems that uh, especially deal with some health issues, whether it be sometimes the eating disorders or certainly some of the drug addictions. There there are centers that you can go to uh, to have um, treatment mm-hmm. there, which may be seven days or 30 days or 60 days, who knows, you know, right. those kind of things. And we certainly have helped people get into some of those centers that would help them, help them have victory in their life on that. Absolutely. Okay. So find that support. Uh, so explore your options, then find the support. So that, you know, let's say it that way, you know, first it's, admit, explore, and then find support. Okay. Awesome. And, uh, and then, then, you know, the next thing is, um, I, I think there's two things that you would say after that is, um, now you're setting goals 
for um, uh, time, uh, time where you're saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, they, in AA, they have the coin. Okay, yeah. and they give you the year coin or the two year or the five year coin, those kind of things, because uh, they're celebrating sobriety in that mm-hmm. case. They're celebrating the longevity. You know, you make it work for you. Mm-hmm. And whereas I, as a believer, I do not believe that you have to go through every day being a struggle. You know, right. I, I differ from some people on that. Because some people say, no, it's always a struggle. It's always a struggle. And um I'm not trying to deny that. I think sometimes that may be it because I think we all struggle with Mm -hmm. something that ensnares us. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but I do think you can have a a degree of victory uh, where it's not a struggle every day, but you cannot turn a blind eye to it. Right. Okay. Um, You, you know, a, uh, somebody that's addicted to porn Mm -hmm. has no business watching movies that have nudity in it. Right. That would be very stupid. Yeah. Well, actually believers should not, yeah, I, I'm on have, that. <laughs> I'm on that. Train watch as well. movies that have nudity in. It. So, but you know, but but you get what I'm saying. What what I'm getting at is, I cannot engage. I can't flirt with the uh, the very activity or a related activity that's going to make me sink into a former uh, or an active addiction. You know, right. somebody that's an alcoholic shouldn't go to a bar. Should not go to a bar or should not have alcohol in their home. Right. You know, you know, that doesn't mean every day they're going to walk around saying, oh, my gosh, I wish I had alcohol Mm -hmm. because I think they can live a life that is very fulfilling and without that struggle. But if they're placing the thing right there within their hands reach, that's when they start struggling. And so create a lifestyle uh, that, you know, build, let me say build, build a lifestyle that is built for success. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that's, and sometimes you need help doing that, that you need some people around you to help do that. And you need some accountability. And let me say one more thing about accountability that I think is important. Um, often, probably too often, uh, we turn to the person who's closest to us to be our, our accountability. And whereas I'm not saying we're not accountable to them. I am accountable to my wife. Right for my life and for everything I do. I'm accountable to her. Mm -hmm. I do not need her to be my accountability partner for things that, uh, like, like something like this. So, um, I need somebody that's actively or has an understanding of that who can ask me the tough questions and it doesn't need the constant reminder. So for instance, okay, if I'm, if I'm a drug addict and, uh, I'm married and now I'm, I'm, uh, my my wife is uh, an accountability partner for me, and she's asking me every day how I went. Did I give in to temptation? Did mm-hmm. I struggle at any point? Was there anything that's there? So what happens is she's living and having a constant reminder mm. of the pain that I've caused her. Wow. You see that? Mm-hmm. And so now, even in my recovery, I'm causing her – uh, reoccurring pain, reoccurring pain, because she's the one having to ask me about that. I'm not saying I'm not accountable to her. I'm not saying that there's not times when she shouldn't ask me a question, right. but it should not be the common or the norm or the regular accountability. I so need what, to find, so, I need person? to find somebody that will do that. It could, you know, it could be a good friend. Uh, it could be, uh, it could be a counselor. It could be uh, part of a group that I get into, you know, many people will, will, will get into a small group and they just have that, you know, I think there's many things. Again, it depends on uh, the nature of the addiction mm-hmm. and how strong it was um, and who that is. So the stronger the addiction, the, the, the greater the, um, the pull or whatever, then the stronger accountability partner that I need. Okay. And so, you know, you just had, but but again, make those choices like you want to, like you want to, uh, like you want to have success, not that you want to cheat, not that you want to cheat the process because there's not any of us strong enough to cheat the process. I have a good example. Um, so one, I'm very, very blessed that I didn't grow up with smartphones, um, because, uh, as a young man, the temptation of pornography was definitely something that was very aggressive. Um, and so to not have that temptation literally in the pocket of my uh, of my pants is, is you know, that's, that's a good thing for me. 
Um, but as an adult, I still want that accountability. And so, uh, one of, but by the way, parents should be aware and be, yes. should be checking those things. So let's just set that out. If you have, right. if you have a teenager, especially a teenage boy, but girls too, don't yeah. kid yourself. Uh, if you have that, uh, if you're not looking and checking and, uh, monitoring the, that activity, um, Sad, sadly, the average you're age. You're setting them up for failure, period. Because you, you, I promise you, they will fail if you're not. And, and, and if you're especially not with pornography, it. that temptation finds you rather than you finding it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, the, the first time that I ever saw anything pornographic was actually a pop-up. I didn't look for it at all. Oh, sure. Um, and so... Um, but for me, one, one of my, um, but you remember it, right? I remember it's it, just burned into your brain. Cause I remember the first time I saw a pornographic magazine myself, I know exactly where it was. I remember the picture and gee, yeah. I was 14 years old Yeah, and, and I remember it to this day. And that was, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Every bit of it. <laughs> Multiply that a couple of times. But, um, yeah. So one of my mentors actually reminded me of the passage where, um, you know, the Bible actually tells you to gouge your eye out if it causes you to stumble. And so what I've done, I'm my, glad you didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't actually gouge my eye out. But what I did was I put up accountability measures that would be the equivalent. Mm -hmm. um, so on my phone, I, I use a program uh, called Covenant Eyes. Yes. Um, and it actually has uh, an like an AI that scans my phone whenever I'm on it. And if there's anything that could be suggestive, it actually takes a screenshot, blurs it and sends it to my accountability partners. Um, and so uh, for me, one of those is a coworker at the church that I work at. Mm -hmm. So what, what would gouge my eye out is realizing that if I were to sin in this area, I would lose my job. Mm -hmm. It would be, it would be something that would cost me my job. Mm -hmm. And it's a good friend of mine, which means he would also be talking to me and my wife, and it could cost me my marriage. And that's a cost I don't want to pay. And so I think when you're talking about, hey, find that accountability partner, you don't want to find someone where if you were to say, hey, oh, I messed up today, but it's all right. You know, we'll, we'll try again next time. And it doesn't cost you anything. Then, no, no, but but again, so when you have the accountability, what it does is it it goes back to step one of admitting you have a problem, right? And so when they're able to ask you the question, you're able to come clean and have that admission. And you're able to work on it, and it needs to be somebody that's not judgmental, but 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 yet can can be pretty stiff, yeah, or pretty straight, and, and and do that. Uh, that can be confidential. Okay, let's be yeah. honest. You want an accountability partner that's not going to blab all your garbage to everybody else. Yeah. It needs to be somebody you you wholly trust. And sometimes accountability, a true accountability, I can't talk tonight, ability mm -hmm. partners are developed. They're not randomly picked. I would agree Okay, with so in other words, um, there's got to be a... Uh, some chemistry there between you and the accountability. And it shouldn't be, by the way, guys, you shouldn't have a woman that's your accountability partner. And yeah. women, you shouldn't have a man that's your accountability partner. That could lead you into it a just, myriad of It just absolutely should be uh, same-sex accountability because they just there, there's too many. Too, it's guardrails. So we mentioned that. So one, mm -hmm. one of the other things we talk about, we're talking about building this life mm -hmm. uh, that is built in a way that gives you the best chance Mm -hmm. as success. So, uh, it's, you know, I was reading a book by Urban Meyer and, uh, you know, when he was coaching Ohio state and is was, was talking about leadership, da, 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 something like under, under the, or over the line, over the line, I think is the name of it, mm -hmm. but, um, great book on leadership. And he's talking about some of the things that he did, uh, in changing the culture at uh, Ohio State as a head football coach as he went in and then how they, he took him through a national championship year. And um, one of the things he talked about, and I wish I remembered the name of who he got it from, but I'm referencing this book and you can get it from there, is uh, this principle of C plus R equals O, okay? Mm -hmm. And I certainly have talked to many people about that. I use it in my own counseling. I, I think it's, uh, I use it in my own leadership as far as leading teams uh, that I work with. Mm -hmm. And C plus, it's, it's circumstance. So we can't necessarily control a circumstance. It's there, okay? We find ourselves in circumstance. But uh, but the R is O, is our response. So our response to our circumstance is what determines our outcome. Hmm. And 
And so uh, we can't control the circumstance many times. Uh, we may have small control over it. In other words, I can control not going into not a bar, going into a bar or not getting into a, a back seat with a woman and, and yeah. making out or, or, you know, I can control certain things, certainly. But you understand what I'm saying. There are many times, whatever our circumstance is, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we all face really hard times and difficulty, right? And so if, if, if I'm facing a really difficult and hard time mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I'm a recovering alcoholic, but yeah, now I'm in this really difficult time and I choose to, my response is I just need to have a beer mm-hmm. or I need to have a drink. Now, boy, my response has now determined an outcome, which is very detrimental to my life and everybody around me. Mm-hmm. But it was my choice in that response. And so the way to really look at it is when we're in those difficult times and when we're building this life around us that gives me the best chance for success is where, what is the outcome I want? Mm-hmm. And then I need to choose the response that gives me the best opportunity to get that kind of outcome. And that's how we work towards that. And so and if you then, don't even know what the outcome is, you're going to really struggle. Right. I don't want a blind outcome. I want to choose the response I want. Mm-hmm. And then I want to work towards that. I may not be 100% on getting there, but I want to be a lot. I'm going to have a lot better chance of getting that response. I mean, that outcome, if I'm choosing response that's appropriate to getting me there. If I'm, uh, if, if, if my goal is to have, a, you know, a really healthy marriage, mm-hmm. it's not about addiction, but yeah. the principle's true in anything. Yeah. So you have a healthy marriage, and I'm having it, in my circumstances, I'm having this very personal disagreement or argument with my wife. Well, my response to that is going to, what is that? Is it going to produce a healthy marriage or is that going to produce pain and hurt and other things? And so how I respond, and I need to actually to take time and, and think about that. And we, we are all so wrapped up in having an immediate gratification that we, we react very quickly, mm-hmm. impulsively. And impulsive reactions and response are almost always bad. Mm-hmm. Because they're just not thought out. Sometimes, you know, a blind a blind squirrel will find a nut and will whack out impulsively, and, yeah. it, and it happens to be, wow, boy, I did, I did the right thing there. Right. But 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 Most does that is, do not. we really want to live with that kind of risk? Uh, do we really know? We we don't. And so, if if I'm an addict, if I'm struggling with addiction, or if I'm struggling with habits, let's say, you know, uh, uh, if I'm struggling with habits that I've developed in my life, which may not be an addiction, but it certainly is a habit. And, you know, breaking habits is hard, too. Yeah. And um, and so I'm struggling with that. Then, you know, I can still develop accountability. I can still do some stuff, but I got to choose a response to those circumstances that's going to help me get the outcome I want. And that's so that's awesome. the part that is, is our response. You know, God mm-hmm. can give us the power to do things mm-hmm. and to overcome and he can give us, he can renew our spirit and renew and cleanse us and all those kind of things. But yet we hold some responsibility. And let me say this, cause it's uh, it's kind of an interesting thought. If you look in Ephesians chapter four, uh, you know, it's talking about the Holy spirit. And then it says, uh, let all bitterness, wrath, rage, all these kind of things. So it goes down this list of things, uh, be put away from you along with the other things. And so the key word there though, is, is the word let, L-E-T, uh, not the bitterness, rage, all those things. Mm-hmm. Those are all symptomatic. Those are, those are things that we do. Mm-hmm. But the word let is passive, and it's saying, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to have his work in your life so these things can be removed. Interesting thing, though, is uh, in the book of Colossians, there's a verse that's almost identical. Mm-hmm. Except it's not, the word's not let. It says, get rid of. Bitterness and anger and all those things. And it's, I mean, the verse is very similar, but now it's in a different tense and it's an actually a command rather than something being passive saying, hey, let the Holy Spirit do this. It's now a command saying, hey, you still hold responsibility, even though we've, uh, even though Paul wrote in one book, and yeah. there's reasons why, hey, allow the Holy Spirit to do this. Through your Don't grieve yeah. the Holy Spirit, but allow him to do this work in your life. But another book is saying, hey, you, you play an active role. And getting rid of these things. And there's certain things that are listed there, but I don't think we should look at those things that are specified and saying, oh, that's all it's really talking about. Because truth is, all those are sinful things. And I think we can make an app a very easy application to say that that's those verses are true for any sinful uh, habit or thing in our life. Mm. 
that that uh, draws us away from the presence of God and experiencing Him in His fullness and 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 being able to experience His power and His uh, His forgiveness and His grace. Because boy, don't we need grace? That's yes. John one one, man. We mm-hmm. can experience grace after grace in our life, wonder mm-hmm. after wonder. There's always there's always a fresh thing from God awaiting for us if we just look to Him and 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 pull through that. I have one more uh, question, and uh, it's it's interesting that addictive behaviors, especially, I mean, I, I I say this from a Christian's perspective, but I'm I'm assuming it's the same in a non-Christian perspective. But addiction finds a way to make you desire something that when you whatever you you go for, like let's use um, let's use alcohol, um, you desire alcohol to escape the pain that you're in. And you go to alcohol, and then what you find is once you go to that addiction, it only pushes you further down into your your pain and hurt, um, and and you kind of end up spiraling. And one of the things that I find for Christians is a lot of times we, especially those that are Christian and also deal with um, addictive behavior or addiction, um, we can begin to doubt our salvation as we continue to act throughout this addiction. Um, What are your thoughts? um, If someone says they're addicted to something and they're questioning their salvation, what would you begin to ask? Hmm. Uh, That's a tough question. Yes. Okay. That's real (laughs) tough. Uh, I think because, um, Some would argue that Christians should not be characterized by habitual sin or habitual things in their life. Um, whereas that's true, I, I think there's 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 plenty of evidence in the Scripture where it's talking about lay aside that 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 thing that so easily ensnares you or those kind of things. So I think it's true that there and Paul writing in 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 Romans chapter seven about, man, I, I want to do the things that <laughs> I see this is you and this is what you want me to do. And I want to do those things, but oh gosh, I still do the things I hate. Right. I still do it. Uh, but yet I want to do this, but gosh, I, I end up doing the thing I hate. And you get this picture of uh, uh, somebody with a shoulder and have a little angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the yeah. other. And they're whispering in the ear, trying to pull them one way or another. And you see this struggle that Paul's going through because he has the new man, which is the Holy Spirit in his life, uh, because he's asked Christ to come in his life. And then you have the old man, the old sinful carnal nature that's that's there and that's that's the and, and there's this tug of war going on in our life and and that process that we're going through right now is that process of um of sanctification okay uh if you want to get real churchy i'll get real churchy use, right. let's use a ch- couple church words you know the first thing we experience is justification mm-hmm. just if i'd never sinned if you want to think of it it's justification okay and so when i ask christ into my life i become a new creation and he changes me he he empowers me he indwells me and he justifies me that's salvation right now I'm living this life and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to live it out mm-hmm. and I'm going through this process of sanctification, which is uh, the, this process of where God continues to work in me to make me more like him mm-hmm. uh, and to use me for his glory here. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's a struggle there and sometimes we fail. And sometimes we may, uh, and I'm not saying we have to fail because you know what? We have the Holy Spirit in our life, but, but I think we fail and we do that kind of thing. But the, the, the failures that we, let me say it this way, the failures we experience during that process of becoming more like Christ, those failures that we experience in the sanctification, that word, but the, 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 of becoming more like Christ, okay, um, have nothing to do with what we experienced as salvation, and that's justification. Okay, and um, and so, uh, boy, it's another longer conversation yeah, we can go sure. into. But uh, I personally do not. Uh, when I believe that we are changed and given eternal life, it is exactly that. It is eternal life. That there's nothing that separates from the love of God. That that Jesus said that hey, He loses not one sheep. God, mm-hmm. I've given you. I don't lose a one. Uh, you know. So I, I don't think there's uh, we. We do not change or we don't lose that salvation. We don't become that. But then the question is, 
Um, was there that moment of justification? Mm. Was there that life change moment? Was there that thing that really, or was it somebody that was uh, just maybe exposed mm-hmm. and maybe was doing some things, but never really experienced that life? That's that's only God can judge that. Yeah. Okay, but our failures do not wash away the cleansing or the justification uh, uh, that happened at our moment of mm-hmm. salvation. Uh, the last thing is glorification of course, and that's, uh, you know, when we die, we're going to be with him and we have glorified bodies and now we're not in the presence of sin and we don't have those same struggles. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, those are all churchy words, but I think that the prior to answer your question is I, I, um, I, let me ask you, if somebody being addicted mean they're not saved, I would not say that at all. Right. I would not say that at all. I believe that believers struggle with addiction just like everybody else. We are not immune to addictive behaviors, whether they be physically addictive or psychologically addictive. We are not immune to that. Um, Maybe we have a greater responsibility to deal with it than than non-believer because we have the Holy Spirit, Uh, but we're not immune to that. Um, But... Now, so that comes from the person who's addicted. Now, for me, as I'm looking at somebody who's walking through addiction, uh, we as believers are not judges, but we're fruit inspectors. So mm. let me explain what that really means. Uh, Jordan, if you come into my life and I'm looking at you, I'm getting to know you and I'm watching what you're doing um, uh, in order to minister to you in the most complete way. I have to I have to take a look at your life and see what does that look like, mm-hmm. and uh, if your life looks like an orange, then I need to minister to you in a way that helps an orange grow. If your life looks like a um, a strawberry, well, that's a different that's a different animal, right? right? Because it's you know you 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 treat it differently, you do different things, uh, and and that's probably oversimplified. But what I'm saying is. Um, if I see no fruit or evidence of God working in your life, then I'm going to minister to you as if you don't know him. That's and I'm going to try to bring you into a, 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 a saving knowledge uh, uh, and, and grace experiencing relationship of Christ because, man, that's a wow. That's yeah. great. It's not because I think I'm better than you. It's because I want you to experience the same grace and forgiveness and life-changing moment that I experienced. I want you to share that. Mm-hmm. Okay, man. If I if I go and I and I I, I have the best cheeseburger in town, I'm going to tell you about it. Right. Right. I I want you <laughs> to experience this cheeseburger because woo, it's awesome. Okay. Right. Uh, and but so so witnessing to you or sharing Christ with you is not me judging you. It's saying I want you to experience this too, right? Um, in hopes that you do have that experience. If in fact uh, that maybe you're just at a place in your life where I haven't seen that or whatever, God knows that. God's your yeah. judge. And so when but when we're not seeing the evidence of Christ in somebody's life, then we need to, as believers, in our walk, continue to share Christ in the way we live and what we do and even in what we say so that others around us would have that same hope uh, in in experiencing that life too. Absolutely. Does that that answer your question? Yeah, I think it does. You know, one of the things that uh, I find it so difficult uh, in American Christianity especially um, Mm -hmm. is that it's cultural a lot of times. And I've, I've had more than one conversation with somebody who, grew up Christian or, oh, I was born a Christian. And, you know, those things don't exist. You can't grow up Christian or be born Christian. You have to make a decision to follow the Lord. And and when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. But until you do that for yourself, you don't have salvation. And so for me, when I see that, uh, you know, I would ask the person if they've had that, you know, sure. that that um, decision. But I, I think you said it in... in clearly is like all Christians struggle and we're going to continue to struggle through our lives. The The question though is, um, have we made a decision to give that sin to, to the Lord? And if we have, there is no sin that we have that has more power than the power of the cross. That's right. And so 
um, I'm thankful for yeah. that. And oh, yeah. I, I, and uh, that's a grace. God's that I, word has the power. God's word has the, cha- the power to change lives. Absolutely. And so we must always go to the word of God because that's unchanging and it's eternal. And it's it's what we base. It's the standard in which we base our lives. Let me say one more thing about yeah, that, that, that process that we go and become in Christ-like because I think it's important for us believers, um, Christ followers that, that we are. Um the process for you is going to look a little different than it looks for me. Hmm. And the process for Sarah or Tina or Jacqueline or uh, anybody else you want to name, we all these name people Nate, we know, since Nate, named, since, named I, yeah, since I had Nate, or, um, <laughs> whatever. I was just going through the people who are actually in the house right now is what I was going through. <laughs> uh, or name a friend or whatever. That process is going to look a little different. And so let me explain what this means. If I were on this podcast and I was going to open up and share with you uh, that thing, let me mm-hmm. go back to Hebrews again, that thing that so easily ensnares me, uh, some of you might say, what? Really? Yeah, be kidding. Why? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. How could how could that be a problem for you? Uh, because you don't understand it because that's not a struggle for you. Right. That's not a problem for you. Maybe one of two things has happened. Either it's just naturally not a problem or a temptation or a tendency for you uh, or it's something that God's already dealt with you in your life and you've gone there. <clears throat> but if you shared with me what you're struggling with, I might say the same thing. What do you mean? I mean, that's something that God did in my life immediately. You know, when, yeah. when I got saved, God changed my life and I never had a desire to do that again. Well, right. I wish that was true for everybody, but sometimes that it's, uh, not. that it's not. And so we have to have or show grace to understand that that the process that God, keyword God, is taking every each individual through to become more like Him, is not A plus B plus you know A to B to C to D to E. You know, it's not <clears throat> mathematical. Yeah, it's not mathematical to say this is the first thing, this is the second thing, this is the third thing, this is the fourth thing. No, it's not that way. It's but but it's perfectly designed for each of us because God loves us so much that He's perfectly designed a plan to craft me and mold me and make Him like Him because He loves me that much and He has that much grace and and even though I'm going to fail Him and I'm going to have to go before Him and, 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 and ask for His forgiveness and those things, His plan for me is is, is beautiful and it is good. Hmm. It is good and He has good things planned for me and the reason I know that is because every good and perfect thing comes from where? It comes from Him. And so His plan for me is good even when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. There are some things you know, when you when you look at it, there are some things that we cannot learn or grow. Well, I said this about mm. two thousand twenty. The the problems, the nightmares, the the the, the horrible things that we've had to deal with. Uh, there are some things that we cannot learn of ourselves and learn about God and even experience the refreshing strength and power of God in our life without going through those things. And it's very specifically crafted for us as individuals to make us or give us the best opportunity to be like him and to be used by him. And, and, but, but his process for you is going to look different than his process for me, because you know what? He has crafted and developed and built a plan for you that is unique and specific for you. Hmm. Now that doesn't mean we can use that as a, uh, as a catch, I'll say, well, he just hadn't worked with me. No, no, no. That doesn't mean we can use it as an excuse. Right, right. But what it does mean is it allows me to come alongside you and pray for you and and show you grace, demonstrate grace in my life and show that to you without being judgmental. At the same time, maybe, you know, that, that that's why the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Right. Because, you know, we're not in the same place. Mm. We're at different places in this wonderfully crafted, designed plan that God has for us. And and so when you and I come together and enter and, and live life together and share share moments or experiences together, iron sharpens iron because of where we are in different places. And um, that's the beauty of community, and God has built us for community. And so going back to addiction, I do believe that community is extremely important in overcoming addiction. 
Uh, that's, in fact, that's in fact a, it's vital. It's vital. Community is vital thing. in overcoming addiction. That's an important thing. Uh, and as we kind of land the plane here, because um, right now, especially in our culture uh, and over the past year, community has been one of the things that's been suppressed more than anything. Oh, yeah. And that's so right. um, the the amount of addiction and the amount of issues that have come up in people have just exponentially grown because we've moved away from other people and, and moved more into isolation. And, um, and then we end up going into that downward spiral that I was, mm-hmm. I was talking about because then we struggle and then because we struggle, we feel worse, which pushes us further and further into that addictive behavior. And, um, man, but I, I'm, I'm just so reminded after this conversation that there is grace and, mm-hmm. um, there's grace that we can receive in the time of need. And, um, yeah, it's living grace. It's it's letting. I think Wayne Barber, my mentor, used to say, uh, "Living grace is which is letting Jesus be Jesus in me." You know, and 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 that's so important. Uh, you know, if I if I just allow Him to be all that He is in me in all cases, uh, the the grace that I get to experience from Him is just overwhelming. It's humbling. It's uh, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, in in conclusion, if any of this you know, this conversation sparked more questions, or if um, you would even just like to ask for prayer, please just comment on the video if you're watching on YouTube. If you're uh, listening to the podcast, um, then go ahead and just direct message us on any of our um, Instagram, Facebook accounts, or anything like that. We would love to be able to uh, to talk to you, to, to pray for you, and thank you so much, uh, Dad, for coming in and oh, joining us. I love um, it. And, always uh, ready to talk about the Lord. Yeah, and just so thankful for the grace that we have, especially in right. a thing like addiction. It is so, so good to know that we have grace and mercy. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you next time. See y'all.